chances are you're getting back to your normal routine these days, maybe after a few weeks of vacation. Have you thought about why you work? Is it only to receive a paycheck so that you can eat and live and spend money on the things you need and want? Or are there other reasons to work? If you haven't noticed already, this is something I am very interested in. So this is the topic of today's episode. Welcome to Stories for the Future, a podcast on a mission to get you excited and optimistic about the future, filled with challenges, but also so full of opportunities. My name is Veselmøk Lavnes Berge, and I'm trying to figure out how we can all live good lives, have exciting jobs, and at the same time, take good care of the planet and everyone living here. I want to unlock the superpowers of everyday people so that together we can co-create a future we're all excited about. With almost 8 billion superheroes on this planet, there's no way we couldn't make it. So let's start. It's game on. Hello, hello and welcome back. Uh, after summer and uh, maybe you still have some vacation left but I'm definitely back to normal and this today is my first interview episode after a series of what I called my summer shorts that I posted uh, during July and if you haven't listened to those episodes already they are really short uh, they have <laughs> topics spanning from plant-based food uh, sustainable travel or maybe I should say my need and urge to keep traveling in spite of trying to keep my my footprint uh, as low as possible uh, and different topics so if you want to you can always go back and listen to those episodes but today I do have a guest for you and I have been so looking forward to sharing this episode with you when I introduced season four, I said that there's a part about creating a better future and all the work we do in that regard that is maybe a little bit overlooked and that we rarely talk so much about. It's kind of the big elephant in the room. I feel that the focus we have on what businesses can do uh, to become more sustainable is quite well covered these days. It's been focused more and more on. And also we hear a lot about and talk a lot about what we can do as individuals in order to reduce our carbon footprint, like what we do in our household, the way we travel, the way we consume, etc. Again, well covered, I think. The part that I often feel we forget uh, is what we can do as individuals when it comes to the choices we make in our careers. We spend roughly a gazillion hours at work through the average span of a career. So what we choose to spend that time on obviously matters. And this area is something my guest today is an expert in. And I'm so, so happy that I found him in this webinar back in February. 
His name is Roshan Paul. So now let me tell you a little bit about this man. Roshan was raised in Bangalore in India. He has a master's in public policy from the Harvard Kennedy School and a bachelor in international political economy from Davidson College. He's a well-known speaker and he has spoken at many, many universities and institutions around the world. And he has done two TEDx talks. Um, He has also received uh, multiple awards and fellowships. And after a decade working at Ashoka, Roshan Paul co-founded Amani Institute in 2010, which he grew into an award-winning social enterprise and the largest talent development organization for the social sector based in the Global South, and with offices in Kenya, Brazil, and India, and projects in more than 30 countries around the world. Based on this work, he co-authored the Amazon number one bestseller, The New Reason to Work, How to Build a Career That Will Change the World. Later in the interview, Roshan will share with you what he is working on now, but of course, the main reason I wanted to have him on this podcast at the moment was this book he has written. And I have read it myself and I was so so thrilled with with its content and also the way it was written. And I will repeat myself a number of times (laughs) and say that I couldn't recommend this book enough. I think it's a really great book. So now uh, I can't wait to share this interview with you. Here is Roshan Paul. So welcome so much to uh, Stories for the Future, Roshan. And I'm so happy that you accepted to be my guest on the podcast. Thank you so much, Vesla. Great to be here and excited to chat with you. Great. And I just to place you first geographically, where are you sitting? I know that you are six hours behind me, but <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yes, I am uh, currently based in Washington, D.C. in the United States. Um, yeah, prior to that, I was living in India and prior to that in Kenya, as we'll probably talk about. Um, but I've just been in the U.S. now for about uh, eight months. Okay. Yeah. So Washington, D.C., Great. So Tunsberg, Washington, D.C. It's it's amazing how small the world uh, gets mm-hmm. when we have uh, digital uh, devices. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the first time I heard you talk or heard about you, I think, was I remember it so well. It was in February. You were a guest on um, uh, this great woman's webinar, I think she calls mm-hmm. it maybe, Diana Vu David. Mm-hmm. And I remember it so well because I was, it was winter holiday in Norway mm-hmm. and I took the opportunity to sit inside and listen to this webinar instead of mm-hmm. going out, out skiing with my <laughs> husband and boys. <laughs> so, and I, I saw that as very much a kind of a lucky coincidence because I had been thinking a long time about how can we start talking more about how we can use our careers and, and like as a, as a, a means to do, have more impact in the world. And there you were talking about your book uh, called The New Reason to Work, How to Build a Career That Will Change the World. So I was just, yes, <laughs> here's the person I, I want to, to hear more from. So uh, very happy about that. And of course, I ran out and bought your book. 
mm-hmm. or I bought it on my Kindle and I mm-hmm. read it in, I think, one and a half days. So <laughs> we will talk more about that. Very glad to hear it. But first, um, just you have to give us a little bit of backstory about yourself. So um, your background and who you are. Great. Well, I grew up in Bangalore in India uh, and uh, you know, most of my childhood was spent uh, playing uh, a sport called cricket. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was only when I realized that I wasn't going to become a professional cricket player to <laughs> to cure my broken heart. I, I fled to another part of the world where they uh, don't play cricket at all the United States and did uh, my university there. And um, it was when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do uh, with my life when I was graduating from university and looking like many foreign students in America, I was looking at jobs in investment banking, management consulting, and so on, um, that one day I left my uh, French class uh, and came out, uh, went to the cafeteria and saw a group of people clustered around a TV screen. And uh, I went to join them as that seemed somewhat unusual for a Tuesday morning uh, on my campus. And um, you know that's when I saw the second plane hit the second of the Twin Towers and, mm. you know, that was 9-11. Um, and the events of that day followed by uh, things that happened on my campus that were both positive in terms of great leadership shown by the university, um, but also negative in terms of the surrounding areas and um, some of the attacks on people, you know, who look like me and so on. Uh, all mm. of that made me reconsider what I wanted to do with my life, with my career. Um, meanwhile, in the months after 9-11, there were also terrorist attacks in India. There was violent uh, riots in the Western part of India. And I was graduating and going to go work for a management consulting organization. And it just didn't seem to make a lot of sense that that's what was most important uh, in the world. And so uh, that's when I decided to um, change my trajectory and uh, started working in the field of social entrepreneurship. Uh, and uh, you know, that started a career in social impact that uh, uh, continues today, 22 years uh, later. Yeah. So would you say that it was not at all in, in the cars that you will go in that direction until that that event with uh, 9-11? I would say so, yes. I mean, I think the, the maybe the one thing that was in the cards was that I would do something maybe slightly different, uh, just because that's what my parents did um, you know my dad uh, started uh, India's one of India's first management consulting uh, firms uh, which you know in the 1970s in a socialist country was uh, pretty unheard of and and not mm. considered uh, very wise at the time um, and uh, you know my mother has been everything from a stockbroker to a marriage counselor um, and mm. so you know with that kind of parental sort of upbringing um, you know, probably the one thing that was was uh, was sure was that I wouldn't do anything, you know, too conventional, um, yeah. perhaps. And I think maybe that was in the cards. But but this specifically was not. I didn't have a background in volunteering no. for causes or getting involved with you know nonprofits from a young age or anything like that. The co-founder, the co-author of my book, uh, Elena, she from the age of you know twelve was involved in social impact causes. So she had a very different kind of life but for me it was really that um you know that coconut moment as you like yeah. to call it yeah. uh, that led to this yeah it's so interesting to see how people can come into this from very different angles and have that long background and not have that background mm-hmm. so it's uh that's very interesting i think so you spent then 
quite a long time with working with social entrepreneurs, right? In Ashoka. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I spent 10 years uh, working at Ashoka, which for any of your um, you know, audience that doesn't know is the world's largest organization working on social entrepreneurship. If you've even heard the term social entrepreneurship, it's because of Ashoka. Um, yeah. The founder of Ashoka was the one who, you know, coined that term. Um, and then over, you know, two decades, you know, really saw this idea grow and, and get uh, embedded in society that there could be people who have all of the qualities of uh, an entrepreneur as we would normally think about them, but are dedicated to making a difference, uh, solving a social problem in the world. And so mm. Ashoka, you know, had created a a global network of 3000 something social entrepreneurs and you know my job for about 10 years was to support that network in in different ways um you know starting new projects to support them um helping them think about their scaling strategies um supporting some of them who work in difficult parts of the world in in conflict ridden environments and uh, and so on. So did a number of things, you know, but through all of that, really understood deeply, I think, what social entrepreneurship really is and what it yeah. is at its best and and how to support, um, you know, people who want to build careers in the space. Yes. So how did that move you to your next uh, adventure, the Amani Institute? Yeah. So, you know, as I said, I was helping social entrepreneurs think about how to scale and mm -hmm. uh, scale up their, their impact. And one of the common uh, challenges that I kept hearing over and over again, um, you know, was that they were having trouble finding the right people, the right talent uh, to hire. And it wasn't a money problem, you know, even when they had, um, you know, could pay good salaries and so on, they were just not happy with the quality of people they were getting from universities. And so that made me start to wonder what's going on with the education system that is not preparing people um, in ways that, you know, leaders of organizations are happy with. Um, so that was one side of the question. The other side was that I was, uh, thanks to my work at Ashoka, I was getting invited to speak at a few different universities and giving talks and meeting a lot of young people who uh, were looking to build their careers in social impact. Uh, and I was realizing with all of these meetings that I wouldn't hire these people, you know, like that they were not um, prepared for the no. kinds of work that we were, we were asking them to do. Um, and that the university system was generally producing um, quite academically well-trained people, but not practically well-trained people. Um, and that may be a reason why the employers were also not very happy. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I started to wonder, well, what would be the kind of training or the kind of education that would best prepare these people uh, for careers, long-term successful careers in social impact, which is what they wanted. Um, and so it was with that question in mind um, that, uh, you know, along with my co-founder, uh, that we decided to quit our jobs at Ashoka and start a new organization called Amani Institute that was going to be dedicated to helping people make that transition uh, into, you know, social impact related careers. And mm -hmm. the one thing that we we didn't even know then, but has then subsequently came to be was that we were at the start of a movement where, um, you know, many, many people would want to do this. So we've actually, you know, uh, had good timing in that sense with that. Uh, uh, we started to see the rise of what I would call the purpose economy or, or purpose led driven careers really started to grow um, at that point. And so I think we were lucky with that um, because we really grew quickly as a result of that. But that's now 
10 years ago or how long? How long yeah, ago? that's about 10 years ago. Yeah. When we started, yeah, I think the, the movement really, you know, probably started to happen in 2008 after the financial uh, crisis, but really sort of gathered steam, I would say, around 2013. Do you see any geographical differences? Uh, because I, the first time I heard about social entrepreneurship, I think was around 2000. 15, 16, maybe. Mm -hmm. And of course, because I opened myself up to more um, mm -hmm. things like that. But but still, I feel it's still quite a new thing and not that very common. I think the answer to that is, is both that it's been around for a while and it's getting more and more common. But yes, it's also probably in many parts of the world still relatively new. You know, mm -hmm. I think um, one of the things... Probably, I mean, if you want to take Norway specifically or the Scandinavian region, um, you know, it's known for, and I'm not from there, so I'm no expert on it, but, you know, it's known for, um, you know, well-run, efficient yes. governments, um, right. high level of taxes. And so therefore mm -hmm. the government, you know, uh, is taking care of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you know, in most of the emerging markets uh, and the U.S., um, uh, it's a different you know, situation where uh, the government isn't necessarily uh, involved in as many parts of society mm. as in, in you know, the socialist uh, countries and in Europe. Um, and so, you know, in many parts of the world, the government isn't functioning very well. And that's why you have civil society and social entrepreneurs really stepping up. And in the US, which is probably the world's largest um, social entrepreneurship uh, scene and, and market, um, you know, it's just a different philosophy of government where they believe in low taxes, and then individuals doing more, uh, you know, mm. with their time and with their money. So whereas in Europe, I think generally people outsource that to the government. In the US, they generally believe that like the government shouldn't be involved. In it. So yes. I think it's a different philosophy, basically. And that leads to a much larger civil society, nonprofit sector, social entrepreneurship sector in the US compared to anywhere else in the world, uh, especially anywhere else in the developed, uh, in the rich world. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, okay, so as I said, I really, really enjoyed your book. And that was uh, through your book, I learned about your work at the Amani Institute. And it was also the, the way it was written, like a story. It's mm -hmm. not often I, I read books like that, which both is a story. You, we follow two people searching for a more meaningful and impactful career. Mm -hmm. And uh, and also you have included so many practical advice at the same time. So it was really, I can recommend it highly. And uh, okay. you wrote it together with your co-founder and, and colleague at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, is it... Elina, Elina yeah. Rabat, yes, and the two of you are actually also characters in the in the story, so it's mm -hmm. it's very interesting. So, <laughs> and what is the like the the big overarching message that you want to tell through this book? And that was a really big question, I know, but just to start with that, absolutely. So, you know, the overarching message is that. Um, well, let me let me start with saying, so the book was written after 10 years of working on Amani Institute and growing the organization from uh, East Africa, where we started to Brazil and then to India, and but working on projects in 30 or 40 countries around the world, um, both in Europe and North America, but also uh, all around 
the emerging markets as well. And what we saw in working with 10,000 people from, you know, 60-something countries um, was that we learned a series of lessons about what it takes to build a career in social impact. And that's what we wanted to share with the book. So in the book, what we do is we first uh, start by actually answering the question you asked me at the beginning, uh, you know, last, which is how big is this field really? I mean, mm. uh, you know, um, and we, we, we describe, and I think that for many people, they don't realize how big a part of the economy today is the impact uh, sector. You know, so we lay out both the history of how this developed, but then also, today practically what are the opportunities and and for most people it's much more than than what they uh than what they think you know so mm-hmm. um for instance if you're listening to this and you're a parent uh worried about what your you know children will do professionally there's probably a whole sector that you haven't considered where they could yeah. you know uh have a thriving career you know if you're a young person listening to this or someone who's been working for a few years but isn't very satisfied uh, with their job, again, that could, there's a whole other world of work um, that I would call the impact sector, the impact economy, uh, where there are lots of opportunities and growing every every day. And so in the book, we, we lay out what those are um, from the things that people traditionally know, such as nonprofit organizations and, and NGOs uh, and government institutions like the United Nations or uh, the World Bank, but also to uh, the range of, you know, consulting organizations, uh, training organizations, research organizations, um, you know, that, uh, and then also in the private sector, uh, sustainability departments, uh, corporate social responsibility, uh, and all of these that also are ways in which people could be employed, um, you know, in work that makes a difference in, in society. So, so again, we, we recap all of that. And then we, we have uh, a series of uh, principles uh, or what we call keys to unlock your career and social impact. And we have six of those that we then walk people through, um, you know, that uh, with, um, and each of those is accompanied by a set of stories, a set of mm-hmm. case studies, examples from around the world, and also a set of, you know, hopefully very practical uh, tools and and uh, and tips that anyone can, can apply to build a career that they can be, find meaning in and be fulfilled by. Mm. So, you you talk about uh, I think in the in the start of the book um, you say also that people are gradually challenging mm-hmm. more the traditional reasons to work, uh, mm-hmm. which is for most of us to put the bread on the table or uh, mm-hmm. to exchange our time and 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 skills or efforts mm-hmm. for money. Mm-hmm. But you say that more and more people add this new variable, which is impact. And I'm really happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but in what in what ways do you notice that people put more emphasis emphasis on this? And is this mainly young people? Do you think? I would say that um, it would be primarily young people. Let's say under the age of forty uh, mm-hmm. today. Um, I think for people under the age of thirty. Oftentimes, it's not even a question, you know, they're mm. uh, actively, they're willing to um, take jobs that pay less if they can have more impact, uh, or they're not willing to work at organizations that are destroying the planet, let's say, or, you know, have a very bad records on diversity, uh, equity and inclusion. Um, so I think that's a very strongly felt in people under 30 today. I think 30 to 40 is that age range where people are, um, you know, increasingly searching for work that is 
is meaningful to them also that puts food on the table like it's yeah. not an either yes. or no um it, you must put food on the table but at the same time um if we spend the majority of our time adult lives uh in an office or in an organization uh, how can we make that time uh, meaningful and valuable to the planet uh, and people are realizing the fulfillment that comes with that is much greater than just working for uh, a paycheck. And then I also notice people above the age of 40 uh, who have been working, let's say, in more traditional parts of the economy are really starting to question that and starting to be willing to make those shifts. Again, I would say that's a smaller group of people because at that stage in life, it's harder um, you know, to do that, but uh, because your entire career has been in one sector, so it's hard to completely change. But there are so several people, and we worked with many of them, who are willing to take that risk, you know, for whatever reason. Um, they are either deeply inspired uh, by something they've experienced or, you know, they want to build a better world for their children or whatever it may be. Uh, and they're willing to, to try to take the risk to switch their career uh, to do that. So mm. in the book, for instance, we profile two of these people, right? So we have a, a young person, uh, you know, recently graduated from college. And then we have, uh, you know, a woman who's been working for about 15 years uh, in industry and wants to make a shift to social impact. And the, and the whole book, you know, as you described earlier, is written as a story, as a conversation between them and me and my co-author, uh, in which they ask us the questions that our students have been asking us for mm. the last 10 years, right? So we, we essentially created them as, um, characters that embody all of the questions that people who are making this transition uh, typically have. And then through the book, we're trying to answer all of those questions. Yeah, it's just a great idea for a book. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now I will use myself um, a few years back, uh, the okay. version of myself back in 2016, mm -hmm. as an example. Okay. So uh, at that time, I really wish I would have somebody like you uh, as a mentor or a guide. Um, so let's say then that you're in the middle of your career, like I was, and I was more than 40. Uh, for some reason, there is a break or a shift. And, and I have been talking to a lot of people experiencing this. It, and it might be as, as me. Uh, losing my job uh, mm -hmm. or you might have gotten sick so you need to change your 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 work or you're burned out or there's just a need for change mm -hmm. uh, and also you have this this uh, feeling in your stomach that is this it or could I do more um, yeah. and this feeling that you're kind of wasting your time and your skills <laughs> mm -hmm. with the wrong type of work mm -hmm. so where would you start? Where would you advise people to start? Because I started in the wrong end and I saw that so much mm -hmm. late, later, yeah. too late. <laughs> you know, I think that there's several different ways that you could, you could think about it, um, you know, and it, it may depend on how much of a, a transition are you willing to make at this stage in your career, right? Or, mm. or in your life? So I think, let me start from kind of the, the low hanging fruit to maybe the more uh, um, sort of committed transition, right? So I would say on one level, you know, you can just start by educating yourself on the issues that matter to you, right? So um, your, your source of dissatisfaction, like where is that 
coming from, right? Like, is it because you're seeing things happening in the world, whether maybe it's around climate change, maybe it's around, um, you know, sort of um, bad behavior by companies, maybe it's around, you know, bad behavior by governments, whatever it may be, uh, what is causing you to feel like you, there's something that is not satisfying you? Uh, and try to understand that in two ways. One is understand firstly yourself, um, you know, why are you motivated to do something about this? Why are you made upset or angered by, by, by this? Like what values do you have? What beliefs do you have that are being challenged by this? And, uh, uh, and understand therefore like where your motivation is coming from. I think that's very important. The second is to understand the issue itself, right? So let's say, for example, you know, you could be um, thinking about climate change and, and worry that we're not doing enough as a, as a species to do something about that. I would say start to educate yourself on the issue, you know, like uh, what is climate change? Why is the climate changing? What is bad about that? What are what is human beings' contribution to that? Where do we need to go in the future? So you start to understand a bit the sector. And uh, you can do that in a number of ways. You can, you can read books, you can watch TED Talks, you can listen to podcasts, you can um, you know, um, also take a course, like whatever it may be, right? So I would say I would start there just to start to understand both yourself plus also whatever it is out there that is burning you, right? Uh, and it doesn't have to be climate change. It could be around gender equality. It could be around human rights. It could be around education. It could be on healthcare. It could be on any number uh, of things, but to understand like what's going on with that sector. I think that that's the first step. Mm. The second thing that you can do is start to see where you can make a difference, where you can, um, you know, uh, play a role. And I think, again, there's probably two parts there or two different places there. One is, let's say, at your work, right? You're working in an organization. How can you bring some of these ideas? Uh, let's And again, let's go back to the climate change example, but know that this could happen across gender, across health, across education, whatever it mm. could be. Um, but let's say, how can your company or your organization do a better job of being sustainable? You know, um, chances are that other people in your company have similar questions, have similar beliefs, have similar worries. Uh, and you can gather with them, start conversations and start to push your company towards doing something that's more uh, sustainable. Right. So so I think that and that's actually the movement that is forcing uh, being led by a lot of young people that are forcing companies to start to take climate. Yeah change more seriously right so i think that that's one the second thing or the alternative thing you could do is start to see where you you could do something outside of your work so maybe that's in your um neighborhood maybe that's in your city uh you know but can you volunteer your time uh your non-work time can you volunteer a few hours a week with an organization that is trying to do something about mm. this issue or you know participate in in civic uh organizations and uh civil society attempts to do something so all of that is then i would say you know the next step up from reading and studying and learning about yourself is what can you start to do where you are without making any changes mm. to your to your job? And then I think there's a third area, which is you're actually willing to uh, to change your job to do something about this, right? And so if you wanted to do that, let's say you want to go work with a, a nonprofit or a social business uh, or a government agency that is trying to do something about the issue that you care about, then I would say, you know, uh, there are multiple opportunities and the book can then be very helpful in mm. helping you think about 
what are the range of different career opportunities that are out there for you and how can you start to access some of those or, or target some of those, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so I think that could be the third step uh, if you really want to make a change and dedicate your time, dedicate your career towards making uh, the world a better place and want to give that that amount of time, then I think you could, there are multiple opportunities out there today. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was a long answer. But no, it's, it's great. Laid it um, out there. And yes, I should have had that answer in 2016. <laughs> <So I> said, <laughs> well, it's never too late to start. No, uh, no, no. So I'm, I well, I'm well underway. But, uh, but I think uh, I, I so agree with you with um, like all the opportunities actually to do things both staying in your current job and mm-hmm. and looking outside doing something beside your job and then yeah. maybe that the next step is to actually change uh but but also how exciting it is to to see how many opportunities there are um and often you haven't you haven't seen those before because you're being into this like this box which is your which is the box of like your uh, your world that you're in, but also the conditioning of society, of your family, you know, of your immediate networks of like, this is what a good job means today mm. and this is what you should do. Um, but again, I think once you start to look, well, you start to see lots and lots of other opportunities yes. uh, as well. And and you also, you have a, one chapter uh, on, uh, particularly on networking, I think, mm-hmm. in the book. And I think that is also so important and something I discovered a lot through this podcast, actually, yeah. to get yeah. to know people around the world and how many people working on fantastic projects and um mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Really, there's a whole world out there um, of people who are doing amazing things uh, and dedicating themselves to solving social problems. And we've made so much progress as a result of that. Yeah. So that's uh, it's it's reason to be optimistic, uh, I think. Yeah. Uh, And I also think um, it's so interesting to see. um, I think I heard you talk about this, the implications of of doing work which is which feels more purposeful and impactful mm-hmm. both like on your physical health and your mental health and your mm-hmm. uh, overall well-being and i think this is something which is maybe a little bit overlooked and yes. i i think i have learned myself to recognize these um <laughs> symptoms mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak mm-hmm. uh, when i'm not aligned with with my values in the work yes. that I do and but it took me a while to mm-hmm. to understand this mm-hmm. you know my favorite analogy here is um is to say that uh, you know on the one hand like today the field of psychology and positive psychology is showing that you know um when you do work that helps other people when you do work that has meaning for yourself and the world um it leads to greater life uh satisfaction outcomes you know like mm-hmm. you're happier you're more fulfilled you have better relationships uh and you're healthier and all of that um and and we're seeing that that's what modern science is telling us today but the thing that i always find interesting 
yeah, is to compare that to what every sort of religious or spiritual tradition has been saying for 200 something, you know, 2000 years is that um, the purpose of life is to serve other people. Like that is no matter which religion you look at, uh, there's a strong element of service and helping other people. Um, and so what I like to say is that if both science and faith are in agreement, then yeah. we should really pay attention yes, uh, to yes. this, you know. And uh, and then if we spend most of our adult life working, why not make that work something that leads to making the world a better place? Because that will lead to us being also more happy and fulfilled yeah. in, in our own lives. Uh, and that's what, you know, um, our religious teachers have been telling us. And that's what modern science is telling us as well. Mm. I really like the Japanese term, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but ikigai, where you have this, the thing you love, the thing that you're good at, the thing the world needs and what you can get paid to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and Absolutely. that's, uh, and they get really old, <laughs> the mm-hmm. people. Yeah. <laughs> really, is it Okinawa where they nice. get so old? So there's something there, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, do you feel sometimes that uh, I'm I'm sure you feel as me that there's a lot there's urgency related to a lot of the challenges that we're mm-hmm. facing. Um, do you sometimes feel frustrated because uh, you see that a lot of people at least are not as concerned? And uh, if so, how do you tackle that frustration? Yeah, I think um, I think I feel generally optimistic about that, actually, because I feel like uh, more and more people, particularly young people, as I was saying, are mm-hmm. uh, more aware, more connected. And thanks to modern, you know, technology are very connected to each other around all of these issues. You know, on the other hand, I also see lots of big organizations, companies, um, you know, that are playing a role in, in raising that awareness as well. And, you know, I recently, I went to a concert by Coldplay, the band uh, Coldplay. And, oh, I, um, that's my favorite band. Aren't they great? Well, <laughs> yes. well you'll, you'll, be, you'll, you'll enjoy hearing this then. You know, we walked into the concert and, you know, as we were waiting for the band to play, there were video screens all around and they were all showing um, projects in uh, Africa and Asia and Europe and the US that Coldplay is funding. Like, And these were all yeah. conservation projects, climate change projects, uh, and so on. Um, and over and over again on Loop, we were seeing examples of these projects. And then just before the concert started, when everyone was all ready and hyped up, they stopped everything and they played a video talking about what Coldplay is doing in terms of sustainability and climate mm-hmm. change and how everything and what we, the ticket we bought, the um, the merchandise we were given, all of that was all sustainable and contributing to projects and so on, right? So if you think about 5,000 people attending a Coldplay concert mm. and getting these messages over and over again, it will lead to something. It leads mm. to greater awareness, you know, because those are not all people working in social impact already, but they mm. start to, to see it, you know. So I am optimistic that like that awareness is happening in society. Um, on the other hand, of course, it's still not, I would say, completely mainstream and the the, the majority. And where what helps me in those times is to really connect to my own networks. You know, we talked mm. about networking, um, yeah. where I'm surrounded by people who are uh, dedicating their own lives to to solving social problems. And so mm. then I feel part of a group, part of a community, yes. 
you know that is involved uh, in this and that's uh, very helpful as well yeah yeah i agree that's uh, that's very good a good uh, advice um so back to you and your work uh, mm-hmm. i know that you um or i i think that you when you left the money institute because you left that now mm-hmm. uh, right you, yes, you kind I'm of still on the board but i stepped down as the ceo Yes. Okay. So you kind of pressed pause for a while and mm-hmm. like reconsidered where to go next. Mm-hmm. Is there any, can you tell us anything about your plans going forward? Yes. Um, I have, uh, as you may have uh, gathered from everything I've said so far, um, I have been getting very interested in the field of climate change. Um, yes. I think that that's the the issue of the decade. It's the mm. issue of maybe the next 30 years that we really have to make progress on reducing our emissions and living in a more sustainable way. And so um, I've decided that that's the field that I want to dedicate the next you know, phase of my career to, however long mm-hmm. that is. Um, and so what I've been doing is doing a lot of um, uh, projects. Uh, and again, I've been educating myself on, on the field by uh, all the ways I said earlier, reading books and podcasts and talking to people yeah. and uh, that are experts and so on, um, even taking courses. Uh, but I've also been uh, doing some uh, freelance consulting work with a number of organizations working in the climate change, bringing my background in leadership development and uh, uh, talent development to the climate field and uh, working on a few pro- different projects related to that. And, uh, you know, it's possible that then some of those projects continue and become new initiatives or new organizations, and I may be involved in that. But that's not defined 100% yet, but I'm mm-hmm. on the path, I would say. Great to hear. Uh, I, I I'm on the same page as you when it comes to climate change. That's the that's kind of the issue that's the top top of my mind. And there's so many others, of course, but um, maybe it yeah. also has to do with interest and where you feel that you, yeah, interest as you talked and about skills and you yes. know. Um, uh, I think it's a combination of again, like that ikigai concept in terms yes. of what are you passionate about. What are you good at and how do you bring those two together with regard to something that the world needs? And uh, if you want to make that your job, also something that you can get paid for. Yes, exactly. So uh, in the in the previous um, season, I my last question used to be looking ahead 10 years into the okay. future. But I, I kind of feel that things are we have to think in shorter periods. So now, and also now I'm moving a little bit more to the more individual uh, aspect. So my my question then is to, even though it's hard to predict the future, where ideally would you um, hope to be with your work and your impact on the world uh, in three years from now? Thank you. I do agree that it's hard to make those predictions for 10 years because things are changing so quickly. Um, In three years, I would like to be uh, fully 100% focused and immersed in uh, the climate change um, fight, uh, trying Mm. to, uh, you know, contribute to the global, um, you know, uh, movement uh, around uh, reducing our emissions and and living in a more sustainable way. And I'd like to be professionally 100% in that. Um, That's my aim. Uh, For now, um, let's see what happens. Yes. Great. So after listening to this, uh, where can uh, people find you? And absolutely, where can they go to buy your book? 
Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. So and I'm very happy to connect with, with everybody. That's probably the best place to find me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please do connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, in terms of buying the book, it's widely available on Amazon. And, you know, in most parts of the world, it's also available on a number, depending on which part of the world you are, it may be also available uh, to order through your book. If you don't see it in the bookstore, then, you know, you, you can ask your bookstore to order it. It's also available on, uh, you know, other kinds of uh, um, e-book uh, stores like Apple mm. and Kobo and uh, uh, Barnes and Noble um, and things like that. Um, so it's available quite widely and um, yeah. should be easy to find. It's, again, it's called The New Reason to Work. Um, and uh, I hope that people read it. And if you do read it, uh, please feel free to get in touch and tell me what you think about it. Yes. And again, I highly recommend it. And I will put the, the links in the show notes. So thank you very much for your time uh, and I will for sure follow your work going forward and um, uh, I was so happy again to discover that there are people like you out there. (laughs) So thank you for that. (laughs) Yes, lots of of people. people. That's true. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight um, and I look forward to being in touch. So I do have to say this conversation made me feel very uplifted and optimistic. Roshan absolutely confirms what I have become increasingly more aware of the last few years. There are so many people in the world wanting to and already doing so much to improve our future. And if you want to dig deeper into everything we talked about today, do check out Roshan and Elena's book and also connect with him on LinkedIn. I will put all the links in the show notes. And that's it. First regular episode on this side of summer. And I think it was an excellent start that sets the tone for the rest of this season. Thank you so much for listening today. And I will be back in your ear very soon. Stories for the Future is made and edited by me, Veslemøy Klavnesberge. You will find all links and information for this episode and everything else related to this podcast on storiesforthefuture.no. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you would like to show your support and make it easier for other people to find this podcast, I would be really grateful if you would leave a review. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn at Stories for the Future. Until next time, go out and make a dent in the world. There's work to be done and impact to be made. And we can actually have a lot of fun along the way.